Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. together for all of our online audience that's watching all over the world. Let them know that we appreciate them. We welcome them to Sub 30 tonight. Uh, everyone doing good? Anyone's football team still in this thing in the NFL? Any Jags fans in the house? Next year. Next year's our year. Next year. I've been saying that for a lot of years. Uh, but uh, hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I just wanna say publicly, as you're flipping in your Bible, on your device, whatever the case may be, um, how awesome is our worship team? For real, though. Incredible. Uh, man, just to Pastor Matt, and I, I, I couldn't name everyone's name if I tried. We don't have enough time. But just everyone that participates week in and week out. If you're new to Sub 30, um, I, I just think we got like the best church in the world. I, I think we got the best people. I think we got the best serving teams, the best groups, the best musicians. I just think they're awesome. Um, not just because they're talented, but because when you really start meeting people, you really start to see the heart of people and uh, you just love them all the more when you really see how great their heart is and uh, they're just being used by God. And so I, I love the team just changes every single week, um, but it's just great people every time we gather together. And uh, I'm excited to preach to you tonight. I've, uh, I've had this message with me for a while. You could tell there's um, some tennis balls and a football there. We're gonna get to that. Any tennis players in the house? Any tennis players? Awesome, all right. Tonight was for you. I was, I was thinking about you while I put this all together. So 1 Kings chapter 19, let's get um, into some reading. If you missed any Bible reading uh, this week, we fixing to make it up right here. So just bear with me. It's a little lengthy. I'm gonna read fast. You listen quick, and we're gonna be good to go. If you don't have a Bible, it's gonna be up on the screen to your left and to your right. It says this, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I don't make your life like one of them. Okay, let's just pause right there. Let me give you a little bit of background. Um, Elijah, right, a man of God in the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with this story, let me just kind of set it up for you. Great man of God, used by God, prophet in the Old Testament. Um, he just got finished defeating 450 false prophets, right? They were all on top of this mountain. It was like, hey, who's the real God? Is it your God, Elijah? Is it our, you know, gods? And Elijah's like, yo, let's show down. So they show down, and Elijah, right, ends up winning this demonstration test, right? The real God, the God that you and I serve, pulls through, does some amazing things. Not only does Elijah win like the game, but then he goes down into the valley and he kills 450 dudes, okay? 450 false prophets. Elijah is a bad brother. Number, uh, verse three. So Elijah was uh, afraid, right? He gets this message and he says, Elijah was afraid he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some 
bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water and he ate and drank and then he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, well, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. Verse 11, then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was uh, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he put his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave and the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, and we'll keep reading, anoint Elisha and all these other guys, and Jehu will put to death anyone who escaped the sword, and Elisha's gonna put to death anyone who escaped the sword. And verse 18, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And one more verse of scripture in a different book, Micah chapter seven, verse eight. If you don't have time to flip there, just write it down. Micah chapter seven, verse eight, out of the New King James translation, it says this, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. I love it, right? That's, that's a shouting verse right there. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Sub 30, for the next few moments, I wanna preach to you on what I've entitled the bounce. The bounce. And we're gonna talk about this scripture tonight. We're gonna talk about some other things. And it's my prayer that God speaks to you tonight, not just in like a cool corporate kind of way, but really in a specific kind of way for wherever you find yourself in life right now. So let's bow our heads and we'll pray. And we'll get into it. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. It always makes us better. Always, always, always. God, as I pray many times, Lord, don't let us just be hearers of the word tonight. Let us be doers of your word. God, we're blessed when we obey. And so, Lord, I pray that we hear your word tonight, we receive it, we obey it. And God, you continue to do the maturing work that you're doing in all of our life. God, many people in the room tonight, some kind of further down the road, spiritually speaking, maybe than others. But God, tonight, what we're all gonna do is leave here prepared to just take one step. God, and as long as we keep coming week in and week out, taking another step and another step, you're gonna continue to be exalted in our life and we're gonna turn into the great mature believers that you want us to be. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, on November 20th, right, 1982, there was one of the most famous college football games that has ever been played. And uh, if you ever watch like college football highlights and they talk about like the most famous games, this will undoubtedly always make the list. 1982, November 20th. There was a young quarterback by the name of John Elway and he was playing for the Stanford Cardinals and they were playing an in-state rival, the California Bears, one particular weekend and the score in the fourth quarter with four seconds to go. Everyone say four seconds. You gotta say it like you feel it. Say four seconds. With four seconds to go in the fourth quarter, the score was 20 to 19. 
Stanford's winning. They had just kicked a field goal that got them to 20. And there's four seconds left in the fourth corner. All they got to do is kick this ball off, make one tackle, and the game is over. No one saw this game ending any other way, right? That's, that's probably how it's going to end. And they're winning four seconds left. What's Cal going to do with four seconds? Probably not much. Game over. Whoever wins this game is like assured a great bowl game in the bowl season. And so no one saw this going down any different. The only problem was there was still four seconds on the clock. And what I want you to do right now is I want you to turn your attention to the screen. This is the actual footage that you're about to see of the last four seconds of that game in 1982. With only four seconds left, the greatest moment in college football history was about to take place. One that would be the ultimate statement of what the big game is really all about. Harmon will probably try to squib it, and he does. Ball comes loose, and the Bears have to get out of bounds. Rodgers along the sideline, another one. They're still in deep trouble at midfield. They tried to do a couple of... The ball is still loose as they get it to Rodgers. They give it back now to the 30. They're down to the 20. Oh, the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to the Bears. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Oh, my God. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, Exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game over Stanford. Don't you just love that announcer? Yo, that dude has to be a Pentecostal preacher, for real, though. He's fired up, right? Four seconds left. Everyone thinks, game over, right? Like, like this is the end of the game. And as I watched that footage, I, I, you know, I saw something that was pretty interesting, you know, and, and what I saw was it wasn't just the fact that there were four seconds on the clock. I mean, even though that's not a lot of time, any Alabama fans know that a lot can happen with just a second or two on the clock. Um, and so <laughs> it wasn't just that there were four seconds left. Um, it wasn't even just the six lateral passes that we just saw, right? That, that was pretty miraculous. And, uh, and, and it wasn't, you know, like, like, for those of you who don't watch football, like, that's not normally how it, it goes, right? You either, you either throw it or you run it, but you don't just keep passing it back and forth sideways. It, six lateral passes, that's pretty impressive. But, but what stood out to me the most was the band. <laughs> Any band members in the house? You were a band member. Yeah, pr proud of it. Come on. You were playing that French horn. And so... It was, it was the band. It was the position of the band. Like, what was the Stanford band doing on the field? What are they doing? The game's not over yet. There's still four seconds on the clock. The game is not over. Like, you got to think, that's a pretty arrogant move for the band to go ahead and be on the field when, when the game's not over yet. There's still time on the clock. And you see, God, God was just giving me all of this. He's piecing together this message over the last few weeks and even months. And, and I just thought, you know, I think there's some people in here tonight and, and you find yourself in tragic situations, maybe even right now, some chaos. And maybe you feel hard pressed on every side. And, and what's happening is, is the enemy in your life, he's, he's put his band on the field and he's trying to play the victory song over your life. He's, he's trying to get out there and celebrate. The only problem is believer. The only problem is Christian. You still have the ball in your hands and there's still four seconds on the clock. 
See, I, see, sometimes, here's what I think. I think it's the enemy's plan and the enemy's scheme, and it's like he, he gets all of his evil spirits together, and he just says, look, just start playing. Just start playing the music. Just start playing your song, because there's a good chance if he can start playing that most Christians are just gonna quit. Looks like it's over. Most Christians are just gonna take a knee. Looks like the game's done, but I'm here to tell Sub 30 tonight, this is not the year for taking a knee in your spiritual life. This is not the year for quitting on your call and on your destiny. The ball is still in your hands and there's still time left. And if a game with four seconds left can turn out for the underdogs, then I'm here to tell you, with Jesus on our side, all he needs is a little bit of time to turn what the enemy has tried to convince you is a defeat into your victory. God can do a lot with four seconds on the clock. The ball is still in your hands. You need to, some of you need to, when you're praying, man, and you're confessing the good stuff, you need to speak to the devil and tell him, man, get the band off the field. Get the band off my field, but the game's not over yet. God's not done with me. God's not finished with me. This will not be my end. There's more for me in Jesus' name. Get your band off my field. I remember the scripture we just read in Micah chapter seven, right? Rejoice not over me, my enemies. Oh, oh, oh devil, you, you, you might rejoice in other places, but you ain't about to rejoice over me. For even when I fall, I will arise. Even when I make a mistake, I'm gonna get back up. Sometimes the enemy tries to convince us that we're defeated. Man, if, if, if demons, you know, all of us, if, if we just play now, they'll quit. If we just strike up the band now, if we just get on the field now, then, then, then they'll just stop playing. No, 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 not this year. Not this year for sub 30, not this year for your life. See, it's your bounce back year. It's your comeback year. Just like, just like we see so many games in, in this season of football and even basketball, and we see, we see comeback after comeback, and we see underdogs winning in the whole deal. I'm here to tell you it can happen for your spiritual life. It's your bounce back year and it's your comeback year, I believe in Jesus' name. And I love the story we just read in 1 Kings chapter 19 about a man named Elijah, right? Great man of God, awesome. If you ever have time, you wanna, you wanna do a character study on somebody, he's great, right? You're gonna learn a lot when you read about Elijah. And, and he does this, this group of tests against these false prophets, 450. And his God shows up and he ends up going into the valley and he kills 450 false prophets in one day. Like, like that's, that's amazing. I've never killed anybody, but he killed 450 people in a day, okay? F false prophets, evil, wicked people, right? He does this, and it's a huge God victory in his life. And, and you would think that Elijah is now like on top of the world. You would think he's on cloud nine, man. Look at how God just used me. Look at what God's doing in my life. Look at this purpose. And I can, I can really see my calling now. I can really see all my destiny. Now, you would think he'd be on top of the world, but then the Bible tells us that he receives a message from a woman named Jezebel, right? She's not an Elijah fan, okay? She, she doesn't like him. In fact, she's just as wicked and evil as those false prophets. And her basic message to Elijah was this. Um, I'm coming after you, coming real quick, and I'm gonna do the same thing to you that you did to those 450 false prophets. And the Bible says in verse three of 1 Kings 19 that Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Afraid and he ran for his life. Now the natural question that should arise is, yo, Elijah, bro, you just killed 450 grown men. Why are you sweating this one chick that wrote you a letter? Doesn't, doesn't make sense, right? We could preach a whole nother message about, but like, dude, you should feel like, 
You should feel like the man right now. You should feel like awesome, and, but, but now you're running for, for, for your life because one girl sends you this letter. And the Bible actually go on, goes on to say that Elijah becomes suicidal. He wants to kill himself. He wants to die. Now, now I've personally, honestly, I've never been so depressed or oppressed that I've literally had suicidal thoughts. I've, I've never been that person, but it doesn't take like some whatever super smart person to realize that there's people in here that probably have. There's people in here tonight that you've, you've probably maybe actually had suicidal thoughts and the enemy's brought that to your mind. Maybe a time or two you've been so depressed, so oppressed. I, I've never struggled with that, but I know people have. And I, I would just imagine that that's pretty much rock bottom. I, I would just think it, it doesn't get much lower than wanting to end your own life, and, and that's exactly where Elijah is in this moment. I want to die. What, dude, you just did something great for God, and now he wants to die. God, kill me. I, I just want it to be over with, and it's interesting. It came immediately after his biggest mountaintop experience, and now he's suicidal, and he wants to die. You see, Sub 30, I, I think there's a principle in here. If the enemy can't get you to stop climbing the mountain toward your calling in God, then he'll just make sure he puts a dark valley on the other side. And this is what's happening in Elijah's world right now, suicidal. But God isn't a God that leaves us alone in the valley, is he? That, that's not the God that we serve, because the scripture tells us that even though I may walk through the valley of death, I'm not gonna fear, because you are with me. You're with me. See, I have to point out, I can't read that verse and not point out that the word there is walk. Even though I walk through the valley, even though I walk through it, you see sub 30, in the valley of death, in the valley of depression, in the valley of suicidal thoughts, in the valley of all that mess, we don't camp there. I'm not staying long term. I'm not setting up shop. I'm not camping in the valley. I'm walking through the valley and God's with me every step of the way. So, so for those of you in the room tonight and maybe you feel like you're walking through the valley of death, then Pastor Clay, what do I do? You just do that. You keep walking. You keep putting one foot in front of the other. Well, it still seems dark, Pastor Clay. Light is coming. It's on the other end. But it ain't coming if you press pause. It's not coming if you set up camp. You gotta keep, I gotta keep being devoted. I gotta keep, I gotta stay in church. I gotta stay around the right people. I gotta keep, I gotta keep walking and I'm gonna eventually get out. On the other side of this thing, God is with me every step of the way. And what God will do in your life is even though you're in the valley of, of darkness and death, he'll bounce you right back out into your calling and purpose that he has for you. This is what God does. We, I, I, I'm convinced. You look at every character in the Bible that, that we all get so enamored with. At one point or another, or some of them multiple times, they needed a bounce back. They got down. I mean, you look at David. You read some of those Psalms, David is an emotional roller coaster. I'm convinced he must have been a 17 year old girl. I don't know, but like, I mean, he's up he's, and then he's down. And then he's up and God, everyone's left me. And then I'm up again and I just don't think I can make it. And then, it, but, what it, but to David's credit, he kept putting one foot in front of the other and he got out on the other side. And sometimes you just need God to bounce you back. And that's what he does. He specializes in it. You see, I keep using that word bounce. I believe it's an important theory for us to understand tonight, this year, for the rest of our lives. Um, the, the theology of the bounce, right? Bounceology. That's not a word. <laughs> bounceology. You're not going to find it in the dictionary, but I believe it's an extremely powerful spiritual principle for all of us to understand. See, we got to understand this, that, that just as a ball bounces after impact, 
Just as a ball bounces after impact, so does the life of a believer after a setback. Just as the ball bounces after impact, so does the life of a Christian after a setback. And, and just to kind of describe a bounce, what is a bounce? I'll, I'll say it like this. It's, it's to fall suddenly, okay? You, you fall suddenly, but you rebound decisively. It's the bounce. It's the bounce back. You, you, you fall suddenly, but you rebound decisively. And, and what I want to give you tonight is I want to give you the four stages of the bounce, I'm just convinced that at the beginning of a brand new year, for some of you in your spiritual life, this is your bounce. This is gonna be your bounce back year. This is your comeback year. Maybe you've gotten, you've gotten far away from God. Your relationship with him isn't what it used to be, maybe, and, and you've kind of taken some wrong turns and you've taken a fall or a slip up or two. This is your bounce back year. But let me give you the four stages of the bounce. The first stage is the fall. The fall. It's the downward movement before impact. And here's what I know is that we all will face a fall in life. Every last one of us is gonna face a fall. Some of us have already had some. Some of us are gonna have many, perhaps, in our lifetimes, but they're coming for all of us. The fall is coming. The Bible says in Romans chapter three, in verse 23, for all have sinned and what? Fallen. fallen. For all have sinned and, and fallen short of the glory of God. Proverbs 24 and verse 16, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. You see, we're all gonna fall. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. It, oh, see, see you, it's raining on the wicked, but it's raining on the righteous too. Like, it, it's happening. It's raining on the just and it's raining on the unjust. See, this is why I can't put my hope and dependency on things that will fall. I, I can't do that in life. It, the Bible says that what can be shaken will be shaken. I can't put my hope in stuff that's gonna fall. I can't put my hope in money. Why? Because it's gonna fall. Like, you just watch the stock market, right? It's up, we, we all, we're making money now. No, we're not, no, we're not, no, we're not. I can't put my hope in money, it's gonna fall. I can't put my hope in fame because it's gonna fall. But even celebrities, celebrities are only as good for Hollywood as long as they stay young and, and good looking and healthy. But, but when they reach a certain age and they don't look as, they can't you know, be on GQ covers anymore, like they fall. I can't put my, my hope in fame and, 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 and fa being famous and stat. I can't put my hope in that. It's gonna eventually fall. I can't even put my hope in people because people are gonna fall. And they're gonna make mistakes at times. So, so here's what I would do. As your pastor, I implore you and encourage you this year, if you have not already, well, you better put your hope and dependency and faith and affections in the person of Jesus Christ because he's the only one that will never fall from his high place. He's never gonna fall. I, I can take it to the bank. I put my hope in Jesus. He's not falling. He's never going to fall. I gotta put my hope in something Good, and that person is Jesus Christ, but the Bible tells us everybody has a fall scheduled in their life. If you haven't had one yet, it's coming. Dun, dun, dun. It's coming. The fall is coming. It's the first stage of the bounce, the fall. The second stage, number two, is the impact. The impact is the second stage. What's interesting is that when a ball hits the impact stage, it deforms. If we had like a, a real fancy camera up here, you, you would notice that when a tennis ball hits the ground, it deforms, it distorts, changes, warps, collapses. You see, this was the enemy's goal all along. 
for your life. The enemy, he wants to collapse and distort your spiritual life. He wants you to fall so hard that when you hit rock bottom, man, your spiritual life is collapsed, distorted, warped. The devil wants nothing more than to see that. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you even feel right now as you sit in this room tonight that your spiritual life is, is deformed. You feel like you're not as close to God as you used to be. You, you haven't served him maybe like you did when you were younger, maybe in high school or whatever. You don't feel whole in Jesus anymore and your spiritual life feels a little warped, a little collapsed. You feel like you've sinned, you've walked away from God, you've stopped being faithful and it's changed your spiritual life in a, in a negative way, let's just be, be honest. But here's what I love about the Bible and, and maybe you've heard it said before um, that the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? We've all heard that before, but you see, in spiritual bounceology, there's another theory, and that's this. Um, the, the harder you fall, the higher you bounce. It's different. You can have that. God bless you. Awesome. It's so true. It's not, it's not the bigger they are, the harder they fall. It's, it's the harder the enemy tries to make you fall, the higher God's going to bounce you back into what he has for your life. You see, some of you, we, we're getting so bent out of shape about the the fall, but it just simply means that God's gonna be able to bounce me back. And, and what I love, what I love about this principle is that, that, that the, the distance of the fall, oh, God's gonna more than make up in the elevation. The enemy, the enemy had you here, like, like you've lived from here, you, you've lived this much life, and the enemy's gonna get you to, to fall, but all of a sudden when Jesus gets involved in your world, now there's a much greater elevation into what God has for you. It's not the bigger they are, the harder they fall. It's the harder they fall, the higher they bounce in Jesus' name. Awesome. You play ball, huh? You play ball. So what God wants to do in all of our life. It's your bounce back year. And the impact is a stage that's coming and the enemy wants nothing more than to deform your spiritual life and cause extreme hardship and a total collapse. And you know, I heard it said one time, for people who maybe are in here tonight and you feel like you've hit rock bottom, don't be worried about hitting rock bottom in life. Jesus is the rock at the bottom. He's the rock at the bottom. See, see some, I, I've counseled enough people at this point to know that unfortunately when people don't heed wisdom, then the next teacher is experienced. That's a horrible teacher. Um, and some people, they're just gonna get to rock bottom. But that doesn't frustrate me. It doesn't even make me upset because I know that, man, when you're at rock bottom, there ain't no one else to call upon except Jesus. You've exhausted all your resources. Your friends can do nothing for you anymore. And the only option you have at rock bottom is the rock, Jesus Christ. The third stage of the bounce is this. It's the restoration. The restoration. See, at impact, one of two things is going to happen at impact. Either, um, either you're gonna bounce or you're gonna explode. That's all that can happen. Either you bounce, you absorb the energy and you bounce or you explode. If you study the physics of a, of a ball absorbing energy, you'll realize that the energy absorbs in the, ball, uh, in the walls of the ball and it's released into kinetic energy in the form of a bounce. And it, it just goes to show that the impact stage sub 30, it's gonna test what you're made of. The impact in life, that stage, is gonna test what you're made of. Life's not gonna be easy. Sometimes I talk to young adults and, and they just get on a rant. They say, well, Pastor Clay, you don't understand. Life's not fair. 
I just go, life's just, it's just not easy and it's just not fair and, and I just don't know what to do. It's just, it's just so not fair. It's so not fair. Listen, can we all just agree right now and move forward? Life's not fair. It's not fair. But here's the deal. Jesus never said it was gonna be fair, okay? Let's all stop complaining about life not being fair. What do you want me to do? Call the fair police? I don't know what to do. It's not fair. It's never gonna be fair. But here's what Jesus promises. Though life might not be fair, he gives strength for adversity. In the fall, at impact. Man, impact's not fair, Pastor Clay. I don't like that. He gives strength for adversity at impact. And see, here's what happens at impact. Um, if you don't explode, then what happens is after impact, the ball is restored to its original shape. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that exactly what God wants to do in our life? See, the enemy came and, and he wanted to crush your spiritual life at impact. He wanted to deform and warp your spiritual life at impact to get you to curse God, walk away from God at impact. But if you'll hang on long enough, if you'll just absorb it long enough, if you'll hold in there long enough and not bail out, what God does on the way back up is he restores to the original shape and the original intent that he had for your life. It's the restoration stage. You see, here's what you need to understand tonight about the fall. Don't let the fall define you. Don't let the impact define your life. I'm not gonna let that happen because I know there's more stages coming. I'm not gonna let the fall because that's not the last stage. God's gonna do even more than that. And, and I've kind of made the personal decision in my 2016 that, that I'm just gonna have the faith confession that believes this. Um, I'm never down. I'm either up or getting up. I'm never down, I'm either up or getting up. The enemy wants you to think you're down, the enemy wants you to confess that you're down and that impact has now ruined you, the fall has now defined you. No, 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 no. I'm not down. I'm either up or I'm getting back up. And I think, man, if you can go into a brand new year with that faith confession, it's gonna do a lot for your spiritual life. If you can wake up every single day saying, man, enemy, you, last week you took a real hard jab at me but I ain't down. Man, I know you threw that thing at me and I didn't expect that and you thought you had me, but, I, but I'm not down. I'm either up or I'm getting up, but I'm not gonna stay down in Jesus' name. The fall will not define me. And the fourth stage is the elevation. There's the fall, there's the impact, there's the restoration when God gets you back to the original design and intent that he has for your life. Jesus intervenes in that moment and now there's the elevation. The important thing that we all need to understand tonight is God can't elevate you until he restores you. Can't elevate until he restores you. Without the restoration, there is no elevation. It, it would be like throwing an old pumpkin on the ground as hard as you can. It's not bouncing, right? It, it couldn't absorb the energy and it couldn't be restored back to its original shape and lift off the ground. And, and, and that's what's happening. The reason God can elevate is because he's restored your life. So many people in life, young adults, right? We're all eager. We're all hungry to get out in the world, make a name for ourselves, build something great. Everybody wants to elevate, but who's gonna be restored? Everybody wants a piece of elevation. Yo, over here. I mean, what does elevation mean? Does elevation mean I'm gonna make more money? Sounds good to me, I'll take it. Like, I want, I want some elevation. God can't elevate what he doesn't restore. But if you'll allow your life to be restored by the person of Jesus Christ, then I'm here to tell you, the harder you fall, the higher you bounce. And now all of a sudden, you're elevating to a level you never thought you could achieve. And, and let me just say this, you were never gonna get there anyway. The, the levels that God wants to elevate you to, you would never achieve on your own. 
See, see now I look back in life and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't even curse the times the enemy was trying to get at me and have me fall because now years later I can see, oh yeah, you, you did that to me then, but God elevated me to this here. And, and, and I was down back there, but now I've bounced into this new season and, and new place and it's actually a pretty amazing thing. The reason you can elevate is because you've been restored. And the thing I love about the elevation stage is this, and you'll notice it, right? With a tennis ball. And that's this, the very thing that was working against me in the fall, the very energy that the enemy was throwing at me in the fall is now working for me in the elevation. What the enemy has now spent years and years trying to get at you in the fall, I'm here to tell you, that this is why the Bible says in Genesis chapter 50, what the enemy meant for my evil, God turns into my good. What the enemy meant for my fall, God's gonna turn into my elevation. I, I love it. I love it. I have so many tennis balls up here. I'm just gonna throw them to whoever I want. So, <laughs> See, there's questions tonight for us, right? Sub 30, have you fallen? Yes. If you haven't, you, you will. It's coming. Was it your own fault? Probably. Have you hit rock bottom? Maybe. But this year, Jesus is gonna restore our life, elevate our spiritual walk. And men, if you invite him, and if you surrender and invite him to come into your life, the elevation is gonna be more beautiful than you ever imagined. I was reminded of a couple stories as I was doing this whole deal in Acts chapter 16, right? The Bible says that a guy named Paul and Silas, they're in prison, that seems like rock bottom to me. Anybody ever been in jail? Don't raise your hand, please don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, two years over here. Uh, okay, <laughs> so. I think like half of our pastors have probably been in jail at some point, so. Um, not while they were pastors, of course. This was, I, I did an overnight, guys. Okay, we're not gonna talk about it. That's for another message. It's for another message. Um, <laughs> so many thoughts running through my head. Uh, Acts chapter six, I bounced back from that. Come on. Uh, hey, dad, are you sitting down? Uh, had to make that call. Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16, they're in prison. It's pretty, pretty much rock bottom, right? Doesn't seem like a very good spot to be in, right? And, and it seems like, oh man, there's only four seconds left on that clock, you know? Those guys seem pretty, pretty much done. I mean, you're in jail, like no other disciples are coming to get you out. It looks, looks pretty gloom, looks pretty dim, right? But all of a sudden, Jesus steps in and he bounces them out of a situation that looked like all hope was lost. There's, there's nothing gonna happen here, only four seconds left, but Jesus intervenes and they get a bounce. I thought about another scripture in Luke chapter 10. The Bible says there was a man who was beaten up, he was robbed, and he's naked on the side of the road, okay? Here he is beaten up all within an inch of his life, and the Bible says that first a priest walks by, looks at him, and, and, and does nothing. Basically, the priest just kind of looks and says, ah, man, about four seconds left on that guy's clock. Um, looks like all hope's kind of gone, so I'm just gonna keep on going with my day. Another guy walks by, he's a Levite. He looks at him, the same thing. Ah, there's only probably about four seconds left on that clock, and not much time there. I'm just gonna keep walking. But all of a sudden, a Samaritan comes, and the Samaritan sees, no, 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 God can still do something with four seconds left on this clock. And the Samaritan reaches out, picks up this man, and all of a sudden, because of Jesus, because of what God's capable of, because of his intervening power, because of the bounce, this man that was down and out is now bounced back into a great future and back on his way. And as the band comes up to join me tonight, as we talk about this and we understand this concept, man, I just believe that, I don't know if it's for everyone tonight, I don't even know who I'm preaching to right now. I just know I'm preaching to someone that needs to hear this is your bounce back year. 
This is the year where, man, last year you felt like the enemy had you down. Maybe like you, you hadn't been in church for a while, but, but last week was your first week back to sub 30. And you were just like, man, it's the first week back. I guess I'll just go. I'll start the year off on a good foot. But, but maybe your 2015 spiritually was one of the lowest years you've ever had. But 2016 could be your elevation year. It could be the year where, man, you're hearing more of, of the words of God and the leading of God than you've ever heard in your entire life. And as the band plays, I thought back on that passage with Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19. And Elijah, as he sits here, rock bottom stage, suicidal. God, just kill me. Just kill me, God. I don't, I don't even know, man. I mean, I did that thing, and, and thanks for showing up with those false prophets. But God, this chick who's after me, she means business, Lord. She's like the real deal, and she really wants a piece of my head right now, and I just don't know what to do. And, and, and God, just, just let it be over. Suicidal. He wants to quit on his destiny. He's actually having this conversation with God. But here's how God responds, right? God responds, and he says, hey, Elijah, um, go stand out on top of the mountain. I'm about to pass you by. Just, just go, bro, just shut up and just go stand out on the mountain. I'm about to pass you by. And the Bible says four things happened. At first, there was a great powerful wind, the Bible said, that swept over the mountains and it tore rocks apart. Powerful, powerful wind. But then after the wind, there was an earthquake. Everything is shaking violently as this earthquake happened. After the earthquake, the Bible says there was a great fire. Like if Elijah is out there, he's probably thinking like, what is up with this wilderness? This place is crazy. Where is it? Like, it's just amazing. Wind and earthquakes and fires and what in the world is going on? But the Bible says this, the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord wasn't even in the earthquake. And the Lord was not in the fire. But then the fourth thing happened and the Bible says there was a gentle whisper. And the Lord was in the whisper. You see, I think the point for us tonight, Sub 30, is um, you don't need some earth-shattering miracle sign to bounce you back into what God wants you to do. All you need is a simple whisper voice from your heavenly Father. That's all Elijah got, and the Bible says that as soon as Elijah heard the whisper, as soon as he heard the voice of God, he strengthened He's encouraged, he's motivated, he's zealous for the things of the Lord again, and he's getting sent on his way for another assignment to keep doing the will and the destiny that God has for his life. I just think too many times in our generation, there's people who are looking for these incredible signs. God, give me a sign, right? God, I need, I need like a big, huge sign. Like if you could even write it on the dew on my windshield when I go out tomorrow morning, that would help, you know? God, do I, need, do I need to move? Do I need to stay here? Show me a sign. God, is she the one? Show me a sign. Show me another sign too, God. I'm gonna need a couple, you know, like, she's kind of driving me nuts right now. I'm gonna need like three or four. So can we do like best three out of five right here, God, on these signs? Like, everybody wants a sign. No one's listening to the voice. Everybody wants an earthquake. Everybody wants a, some fire. Everyone wants some massive wind and stirred up. And, and it, listen, if you spend the rest of your life needing to be stirred up all the time like this, by God, you're gonna miss a whole lot of things in the process. But if you can get to where you know the voice of God is, where is it? You can find it in a service. You can find it in worship. You can find it in his word. And as often as you can hear the voice of the Lord, it will keep bouncing you back into all that God has for you. You don't need a sign. God, I wish our generation would get over this sign stuff. 
Is the voice not powerful? Is the voice not enough anymore? Is the, is the Bible not enough? I'm, I'm prophesying now, come on, like for real. Is the, is the Bible just not enough anymore? I think there's way too many believers in, in modern Christianity, if we wanna call it that. And it's like, yeah, the Bible's cool, but I'm gonna need some side items. Come on. Can we get, can we just, can this be the year we get past some of this childish stuff? Can this be the year that we get off spiritual milk and some of us actually start putting veggies and meat into our mouth, spiritually speaking? Can this be the year? Paul, Paul, Paul said it, Paul said it in his word in the New Testament. Man, there's a lot of things God wants to do in your life, but you're still on milk. In other words, you're still immature. I mean, I, I think, I think that the, how do I wanna say it? I, I think the trap on this side of Christianity, for those of us who are saved, who are believers, I, I think the trap on this side of Christianity, it's not sin, it's immaturity. It, it, it honestly is. I think there's so many people, it's like, it's like you're talking to a little kid, right? Hey, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I wanna be an astronaut. I, I wanna be an airline pilot. I wanna be a doctor. But if I'm going in to have surgery and a 10-year-old walks in wearing a stethoscope, no, you ain't, you ain't cutting me open. If I get into a Delta airplane and all of a sudden a couple of 12-year-olds walk in and jump in the cockpit, I'm out. I ain't flying. This ain't, no, this, this isn't for me. You desire something that you're not mature enough to have. And if we can get ourselves mature in the Lord in 2016, man, it's gonna make a difference. So many people want the elevation. They don't wanna walk through the process of restoration. So many people want this from God. God, I, I need it, I, I want it. Man, just, why don't we open up the word? Why don't we just commit 2016 is gonna be the year of maturity. 2016 is gonna be the year where, man, I take massive steps in, in understanding the word, receiving the word, uh, come on, applying the word to my life. And then let's see where God bounces me to. Then let's see what God elevates me to. You know, you can't even end a message like this without thinking of the greatest bounce back in the history of the world when the enemy had Jesus down, fallen, impacted into a tomb. But come on, the bounce was just three days away. And here our Savior is, right? The God that we serve, the God that we love, the God that we sing about, the God that I preach about, the God, all this, man. He knows what it was like to be down. He knows what it was like for the enemy to, to count him out. Oh, that, that's four seconds left. That game's over. The, the only problem is Jesus still has the ball in his hands. There's still time on the clock. And three days later, Jesus bounced himself out of the grave saying, grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Come on, rejoice not over me, my enemies, for even when I fall, I will rise again. Come on, Sub 30. Even when you're down, you will rise again. Even if your 2015 had you on your face, falling flat in your mistakes and circumstances, 2016 is gonna bounce you back into all that God wants to do in your life. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.